Uh, we've been talking about a survival manual for tough times. We've talked about, you know, a couple different things. Today, I want to talk about prayer. Prayer is a lifeline. Uh, for the believer, prayer is really just a, God's plan for prayer with, with us is just an ongoing conversation with God. One of the problems we have with prayer is that we, 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 try, we try to dress it up too much. We, we try to make it fancy, like we're going to impress God with how we pray. And so we, we miss that really it's just an ongoing conversation with our Father and how He wants to just, He wants to talk to us. He, he wants to listen to us. Jesus said it this way, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, He's beginning to talk about uh, the topic of prayer. And He says, now He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So he's telling the disciples, he's telling a parable, and he's got his disciples there, and he says, now listen, I, I, want, I want to demonstrate to you what, what prayer is like, what God is like. And then he's going to talk about the unrighteous judge, but he begins it with, men, you, you ought to pray and not lose heart. So uh, we start with this kind of this, this sense of this ought sense of pray, that we should always pray, we ought to pray. Uh, uh, and most of us will admit that we don't pray consistently. And one of the things that causes us to pray is trouble. What will make you a better prayer? You just need more trouble. Maybe teenagers. <laughs> because there's just, there's just more to pray about. You know, one time when, when I, when I, when our first kids were driving and they were, they were leaving, you know, like you're putting them in a car and they're pulling out of the driveway and you're thinking, Lord Jesus, what is going on here? Because you know what an idiot you were. Uh, and so you know that they're going to be idiots. And so I, I, I called my dad and said, Dad, how did you do this? He said, you just pray a lot. You just pray a lot. And you do because you think, oh, man, there's so much problems. And they, not only they can cause for themselves, but for other people. It's, you know, that it's just, it takes, takes a lot of prayer. Uh, so most of us admit that we pray more when we have trouble. That's just a reality. We get more serious about it because there's difficulty and we think, oh, I really need God to help me. So we kind of get in this circular dance of prayer. We ought to pray. We feel guilty about praying. We don't pray. Then we pray and then things start going okay. So we don't pray as well as, as much as we did. And then things start getting worse. So we feel like, oh, I need to pray, but oh, I haven't been praying. So I feel guilty about not praying, but I ought to pray. And so we just kind of in this cycle of, of, of what between the ought and the ought and the should and, and feeling like we need to and yet, and we even want to, but, but then struggling with it. So why don't we pray? A couple of obstacles. One, one is I think we don't pray because I think we don't know how to, we think we don't know how to pray. Anytime we, anytime we've always, when we start talking about having prayer times, people say, you know, I don't know how to pray. It was like, well, do you know how to talk? I mean, do you know how, don't you have a conversations with other people in your family? How do you pray? Well, one of the ways you pray, you just have a conversation with God. God, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, there, there's no requirement for any of these and thous involved in prayer. It's like, you don't have to have any. So, you know, we feel like I, I, I don't know how to pray correctly. And so we don't pray. And so part of prayer is just, it's just Christ. One of the things that Christ came to do was to remove the barrier where it required a priest to help us with prayer. 
Christ is our high priest. He makes intercession for us. So now we have a direct hotline to God, all of us, every one of us. Preachers don't have a better prayer line than you do. Did you know that? Now, there are other people who have a gift of intercession, the gift of prayer, and they're really good at, at really getting praying. But, but really, the, the only way to get good at talking to God is to talk to God. There's no, there's no great secrets. There's, it's just, you know, spend time in his word, pray his word, talk to him. And, and uh, so that's one of the main things is just to do it. Second thing is, is that we don't pray. I, I, we don't pray because we don't feel like we have the right to pray. Because we kind of feel like we come to God with dirty hands. Like, you know, we know this. We know this about God. We know this is why Jesus had to come and die on the cross. We know that God is perfectly holy. And he doesn't tolerate sin at all. So God's perfectly holy and he doesn't tolerate sin at all. So that we... We all know that we all fall short. And we kind of feel like little children at times taking a report card to him. And we know there's a couple of F's on there. Yeah, we did good, we did good in PE, but, uh, you know, algebra, not so hot. And so we feel like we're taking this to God and we feel like we're going to, we're in trouble. We, we feel like we're going to be a disappointment to him because we, we put a lot of the stuff that, that our relationship with our father, some of you had troubling relationships with your earthly father that you never felt like you measured up, that you were always a disappointment to him. Yeah, you did this, but yeah, you could have done better. Yeah, that was good. And sometimes it's not your father, sometimes it's your mother. But, but you, in other words, you had a, a, a disappointing relationship with your parents. And so we've, we avoid God because we feel like if we say, God, oh, I've got this need that he's going to come back with, yeah. But here's some things you need to fix first. We have this, we, we have this internal voice. God's waiting for you to grow up. He's a little frustrated, frustrated that he paid this whole Jesus on the cross thing for you, and you've not been very fruitful. So we have this inner dialogue to where, where we, we feel like we don't measure up. So if we don't measure up, gosh, I, I don't feel like I can bring this to God. So God's scary. Part of it is God's scary. I'm a disappointment to him. God's mad at me. So we avoid him. What's the truth? What's the truth about our relationship with God. Well, it's not based upon us. It's based upon the work of Christ on the cross. And we call that the complete work of Christ on the cross. In other words, it's not like Jesus needs to do other stuff. He's done it all. So now, because of what he's done, he has, though for everyone who believes on him, we receive who he is in God. That's hard to get a hold of. It's hard to wrap our minds around that God sees us through Christ and through that sacrifice. He doesn't see you through the way you lost your temper yesterday. First Peter 2, 4 says this. As you come to him, the living stone. Now this is describing Jesus. Jesus is the living stone. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones. That's, how was Jesus just described? As a living stone. He says, now what are you? You're a living stone. <laughs> said, Jesus is a living stone, and because of what Jesus has done, you are also a living stone. 
are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. What does a priest do? They offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For our scripture in Scripture it says, See, I lay in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. See, it's so hard. It's so hard for, if you're not in Jesus, it's hard to wrap your minds around the fact that, because you look at Christians and you feel like, you know, there's a lot of knuckleheads that are Christians. Right? And you ever been one? You ever been like at the top of the knucklehead list? Right. Still a Christian. And so we think just believing on him is just having faith in him that he does the work and it's not about us. And that's so far hard for us because we're so works, works oriented that, that the, the world stumbles at the fact that it's just through faith in Christ. They stumble that Jesus is the only way. You want to make people angry, walk out into the world and say, you know, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. Jesus is the only way to heaven. People will stumble at that and they'll try to knock you down, right? So, but those who do not believe the stone the builders reject has become the cornerstone, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they were disobedient to the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You get that? What's God saying about you? Who are you? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You have received mercy. You've received the gift of not getting what you deserve, which was punishment for your sins. Jesus stood in and took the punishment. So now you get mercy. You get what you don't deserve and you get grace, which is to get what you don't deserve. You, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's amazing. Grace and mercy. So three things about prayer. As believers, here's, this is incredible stuff. These are our prayer lifelines. As believers, we have been invited into the presence of God. Now, if you feel like you're not good enough to be there or you don't belong there or you've made too many mistakes, it messes you up. You don't, it's hard to pray if you don't believe that you have a right to be in the presence of God. This is our prayer lifeline. Get hold of because of what Jesus did, because we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, his special possession. And you may have trouble with that. You think, well, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, we as the people of God, we as the people of God. You know, all of us kind of gather together. We're his special possession. Do you have trouble saying, I am his special possession? I mean, I can believe that you are, but, what I, don't, but I know too much about me. I am his special possession. 
So we're invited in the presence of God. We're, we're not unwanted. God desires us. Isaiah 55, 1. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what's not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. He said, I want to give you the same kind of mercy that I gave to David. What kind of mercy did David get? Well, David was an adulterer, and God gave him mercy. And then, if adultery wasn't enough, he was a murderer. <laughs> and God gave him mercy. He sought revenge, and God gave him mercy. And he was a horrible parent. I mean, he was, you know, he was a man after God's own heart, but man, he had too many wives and too many kids, and he didn't parent. That was the mistake. He had too many wives and too many kids. And I want to tell you, you want to make parenting difficult? Just add a couple extra wives or a couple extra husbands in the mix, and you've made parenting more difficult. Is that not right? Come on. So here's what you need to get. David's list of foolish sins trumps your list. But he still got mercy. He said, come everyone who's thirsty because I want to give you the same kind of mercy that David got. God is calling to us. He's saying, come, come to me. Hey, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You have no money, come by and eat. He's saying, hey, get in here, get in here. I have got some good stuff here. Come in here and get it. Come home. Quit wandering around out there feeling bad. No, I don't measure up. Of course you don't measure up. David didn't measure up. He got mercy. It's very similar to Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, come, I want to take away your burden. Hebrews 4, which talks about coming into the throne room of God. It's so powerful. Let, let us then, because of what Christ has done, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We're, we're not unwanted. We've been invited into the throne room. Is, that's incredible. Nobody gets to go in the throne room. Uninvited. We, we, we get to go and, in a sense, go and wake up dad if he slept and say, hey, hey, dad, what? Etta, three o'clock in the morning, woke him up. Dad. I'm hungry. It's three o'clock in the morning. What do you do? You get up. You need a drink of water. So it's our lifeline. 
God wants us to pray. So, you know, it, it's hard to mess that up. Second thing is, be persistent in prayer because God is not impatient. Be persistent. Our lifeline is not only to pray, but also to be persistent in prayer. Now, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. They ought to pray and not quit. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God, nor respect man, but because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I'll tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, you think about it. So God is saying, according to the parable of the unrighteous judge, he's saying, ask and keep on asking. Ask and keep believing. Keep asking. Even if you don't get the answer right away, keep on asking. And we struggle with that because as parents, a lot of times we have the opposite rule. You only get to ask once. Don't keep asking, right? You say to your kids, okay, you don't, you don't go ask mom, and then mom gives you a no, then you go and ask dad. And you're hoping to get a different answer because then you've created a division difficulty. Well, you told them they could go. Well, I didn't know they'd ask you. But kids are great at that. They, they figure out what works. I mean, did... Were any of your children little attorneys? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, he's like, I understand. I understand, uh, Dad, but, but what about this? You know, what about this, this nuance of the case? And, <laughs> and, so, and, you know, kids are different. All my kids were different. And uh, Logan was the attorney. Landon was, was uh, great at not disclosing. It was like, well, you didn't tell me I couldn't do that. In other words, you had to think about everything that could happen and put that on the list of things not to do. Or you didn't tell him not to do it, so it was okay to do it. Yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, can I say one more thing? You say, okay, that's, just, can I say one more thing? Uh, what about, did you ever say, if you, if you ask again, the answer is no. If you ask again, the answer is not no now, it's no never. I mean, that, that's as a parent, we're trying to set boundaries. And here, here's this crazy thing God says, God goes the complete opposite direction because he's not impatient. He says, ask and keep asking, bother me, pester me. He never grows weary. He, he never gets impatient. He never, he delights in it. He, he likes the sound of your voice. You're his special possession. I, I have a couple of those. Anybody here got special possessions? You may call them grandkids. Did you know we all like worship? Anybody here like worship? I'm not talking about where we sing, but we all like worship. You ever like it when maybe your wife turns to you and says, without, just spontaneously, I love you? You understand that's worship. That's worship. When, when, when Etta 
Etta, and with, she, she struggles with her speech. And when she says, I love you, Papa, it's like, what do you want? A new car? What is it? <laughs> Little Lincoln, same thing. Papa, I love you. Now, that's worship. We delight in that. And they don't have to do it well. They don't have to speak the words well. You understand? Now think about that in prayer. You're with the God of the universe who, is, who, who knows everything and, and is unlimited in wisdom and knowledge and power. And we're going to come to him. And anything we do is stumbling. The most precise, perfect thing we do is stumbling before an almighty God. Yet he delights in it like you delight in your children spontaneously stumbling with the words of expressing love or gratitude or appreciation. We all enjoy worship. And God just, he doesn't care. Stumble. Struggle in prayer. But pray. Just talk to him. You know, it's just, it's just as you, it's just easy. You drive to work, and you're fighting traffic, and, and you're losing it. And you just say, oh, God, help me to be patient in this moment. Lord, I need strength for this day. And Lord, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing about this presentation. And the boss is driving me crazy. You know, and it's just, it's just a conversation. And it's powerful because you're talking with the God of the universe who cares. And we find mercy there. So, keep praying, keep asking. God doesn't struggle with impatience or distraction. You ever get this? Dad, 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 mom, 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 mom. He's like, yeah, that's the, you, you never get that. You never get an impatient what from God. Ask and keep on asking. Third thing is that this is powerful. He hears us. It's important to know that he hears us. John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, that's an important caveat right there to understand that. Because we think, and we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we've asked of him. So first of all, he says it's according to his will. So when we pray, we want to pray according to God's will. There's some things that are clearly not God's will, and we pray them. God, would you bless this? And God's like, that's not, that's not my will at all. If, if you didn't get a yes, it wasn't God's will. Jesus didn't get a yes in the garden. Jesus asked God, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. What did he get? Crickets. Nothing. The Father didn't say. So Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It wasn't God's will for the cup to pass from him, and it didn't. And he drank the cup. So sometimes God says no because it's clearly not his will, even though our desires. In that moment, Jesus' desire was he was struggling. He was fighting the fight with his flesh. He won. He won. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. But there was a fight in that moment. 
and, and we all have that fight. We're, we're, we're asking God to do things that are against his will, against his word, against what we know to be, we know to be true. Hey, God, would you bless me sleeping with my girlfriend? No. Because it's not his will. But sometimes a no is not a no, it's a not yet. And we, that's why we need to keep asking because we're ali- the keep asking is that we're aligning ourselves with God's timing. <laughs> I don't know how you like to pray, but sometimes I'm trying to pray God into my timing. And just if you don't know this, it doesn't work. So a lot of times, sometimes it's, it's not a no, it's a not yet. Sometimes children are not ready for what they desire. Is that true? I mean, they, they look and see older kids doing something and they think they should be able to do it. And so they'll ask you, can I do that? And your answer is not that you won't ever be able to do that. It's like to a five-year-old, can I drive the car? Not yet. This is not a no, never, but not yet. There, there's a lot of reasons you're not, you can't reach the pedals for one thing to stop, you know, and there's so many other reasons. There's so many things that kid and kids, kids will always push that boundary. They always, they always feel more mature than they are. And you always feel like they're less mature than they are. So they're probably somewhere in the middle, right? They're they're not as mature as they think they are, and they're not as immature as you think they are. They may be, but, you know. So sometimes God is just saying, not yet. So sometimes God is saying, yes, I, there will be a time for that. Yes, there will be a, a moment for that. There, there's a time that I'm going to open the doors for that to happen, for, for these things to take place in your life. But right now, you need to deal with the stuff that's on your plate right now. You're not ready. And sometimes that, that, that upsets us. If God tells you no, and, or you don't get the answer that you wanted to get, or God says, like with Jesus, God didn't respond to Jesus, which would end up being a no. <laughs> so if God doesn't answer us immediately with the answer that we want, and we get a no, sometimes it makes us angry. So if it makes us angry, it shows us something about ourselves and our relationship with God. It shows us that we think we're God and he is our Amazon delivery service. Our, our, our role has switched. You see, we, we struggle with this, but I'm precious to God. I am precious to God, but God's also precious to me. And I'm precious to God, really not because of me. I'm precious to God because of Jesus. And so my delight is not in, oh, look how good I am. Jesus thinks I'm wonderful, but Jesus thinks I'm wonderful because of Jesus. So my delight is in him. And so if I, if I get angry when God tells me no, it shows me that, that I feel like God should be my servant instead of me being his. It reveals, when God tells us no, 
it reveals us something about what's going on in our heart. What is our true motivation? God's not a divine slot machine that, you know, put in enough quarters and he pays. I mean, and I've heard, as a pastor, I've heard people say this to me. I don't understand this. I've been paying my tithes. And I don't understand how this could have happened. It's like, what, did you think this was a, a Ponzi scheme of some kind? That you were buying God off? That, you know, it was like an insurance policy? It's not how it works. You're not, if you're giving because you think it's going to earn you something, if you're doing something because you think you're going to get brownie points, that God, you're going to create an ought with God that God owes you something, you have missed it. You'll never, ever, ever create an ought with God. You think, well, we talk about you're never going to pay back a debt because it, it's impossible. God's not wanting you to pay back the debt. He, paid the, he didn't pay back the debt, so you would start making payments on it. Jesus paid the debt in full. It's paid in full. And then God didn't say, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make easy payments on it. No, that, it's paid in full. So he wants us to be free of that. Psalm 6, 9, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord hears my prayer. So here's the three lifelines. Pray, go boldly into the presence of God. God, I need help. I've messed up again. Or I just, I love you, Lord. Go boldly into his presence. Be persistent. Know that he hears and answers. That's what it's, he hears and he answers. That God who answers prayer. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that God is a God who hears and he answers. Sometimes the answer is no, but more times than you realize the answer is yes. God is faithful to answer prayer, and he's working. I have seen in my life, I can tell you this, in my life, I have seen answers to my great-grandfather's prayers that were prayed probably before I was born. And I've seen answers to my father's prayers. And things that that he did not see in his lifetime. But that God is a God who answers prayer. Let's be people of prayer. Amen? It's our lifeline. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to, help us to pray. Help us to stumbling struggling, not knowing how to say it or when to say it or the best way to say it, to just bring it to you like a little child would bring a broken toy with great confidence that dad can fix it. Oh God, we have great confidence in you. We really believe that you're the God who does the impossible, that there's nothing you cannot do. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing nothing that is too difficult for you, that there are, your arm is short that you cannot save. Lord, you are you're for us, and we are precious to you. But, oh Lord, you are so precious to us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us when we pray and answering. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
I love you.